1: for you comes in your ears and other one but thanks is cheers. Here's the new kid from the block. Here for you around the clock. Shall we his English tips. Chris
0: is an anagram of risk. Chris. I want to start off this podcast by saying hello to Carla and Francesco, two students who I taught this week. Now also I want to say, why oh why? Oh why? Oh why do people still not use the self checkout in this country? Italy I'm talking about. Even after I did a YouTube video in Italian explaining how easy it is. I've just got back from going to two supermarkets, a long story and double the weekly price, (laughs) but in the second one there was a guy queuing with the rest of us with his one or two bottles of wine. Just use the self-checkout, it's not difficult. And one more thing, maybe the Italian road company can tell me this. Please explain why do you put the zebra crossings at the exits of roundabouts. Are you crazy? Just to cause accidents, round you go, around the roundabout. And as you come to exit, a granny with her trolley jump out like super gran onto the crossing, forcing you to slam on your brakes and cause a pileup behind you. Is it only this country, Italy, that has these ludicrous positions for crossings? Are they also in ridiculous places like this in your country? I want to know. And can somebody please tell, whoever needs to be told in Italy, Move the crossings from the eg- exits of roundabouts. They're bloody dangerous. Now my weekly rant is over, for now. Who is our first guest this week?
1: Introducing Mimi me, me Melendez Mixing cocktails from Miami to New York People blame her for getting reckless Just cause she
0: mixed it She didn't pour it down your throat yes, No she didn't Remember to leave her a tip Mimi's back and today she's going to tell us about the worst bartender stereotypes.
2: Ooh, stereotypes.
0: One thing that I want to make everybody realize is that you do have legs. We don't see them because you're always behind a bar. That's right. You do have legs.
2: And they're quite chicken leg-like. Really? I know you thought I was going to tell you that they're quite nice, but... Uh,
0: I can't see your legs. You That's the under only
2: the reason I started bartending is because my legs are like chicken legs.
0: And so behind the bar is the best place for you?
2: It's the best. I'll die behind the bar.
0: So Mimi the Chicken. Dr. Mimi the Chicken.
2: <laughs> that's right. Your that's nickname right. is
0: getting longer and longer. So <laughs> With every then.
2: podcast. So
0: tell us about these wonderful stereotypes. Uh,
2: so I know that stereotypes, a lot of people say, come from a place of truth. And yes, there are people who fit the stereotype, but... I'm going to talk about some of the most common ones about bartenders in general that I have to say I am I don't fit into that and I am insulted when people think that I am one of these or describe me as one of these things
1: mm-hmm. so
2: the first one is that bartenders are all out to steal your credit card information and your <laughs> oh, <really>? identification <laughs> well, maybe so this is only in
0: America because maybe this a is a US thing a bit Yes. Daft, yes really.
2: so in the US polite is uh, what
0: I could think of daft Pokemon. okay uh-huh. the,
2: a, a lot of times in the U.S., um, we need to take your credit card or your ID so that you can keep your tab open at the bar. The same thing happens. Yeah, so hmm. because then you get drunk and you leave and you don't pay, or think other things happen. So I have no interest in taking your credit card or your identification. In fact, I have my own. Mm. so not everyone is out to get you and to copy this and to To rob you to to rob those two hundred dollars you have in your account because
0: you probably don't anyway they're probably up that's
2: what i make in two hours (laughs) at the bar i don't need yours in my
0: opinion the people who complain about the thing that think you're stealing the credit card details are the people with no money anyway (laughs)
2: yes that's right that's right
0: if they're rich they're not going to be bothered
2: that's right so the next one is that we can be bought by your bribes to circumvent paying for drinks Okay, so we work for tips. We don't work for bribes. There's a difference. So um, a lot of customers will try to tip me so or offer me a tip so that I don't charge them for the drink. I have nothing to gain from Perhaps. that. This is a common thing. I have Uh, nothing to gain from that. You uh, need to pay or you need to go. It's very simple. I'm sure you wouldn't ask a server or a waitress. "Um, Here, I'll give you 20 bucks so that I don't have to pay for the $60 steak I just ordered. (laughs) Don't do that at the bar.
0: There's some stupid people in the world.
2: Okay. Another thing is that we're drug dealers.
0: Drug dealers? Yes. Or we're in tune with
2: all like the the drug scene in the city.
0: Alcohol is a drug.
2: It, but it's legal, which is the difference. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so we may have... Hey, we, we may have our very own drug dealers, but we're not giving you the information in a way that we can get in trouble. Um, the next stereotype is that we easily sleep... Mimi doesn't
0: take drugs, just so you understand.
2: I'm completely sober right now. Uh, that The next one is that we sleep with customers all the time. No. Like, crazily. We're never, just going I'm home never with going everyone to a bar and again. anyone.
0: Never going again.
2: That's right. Because it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So I'm not saying and I'm not denying that bartenders often go home with their customers but that they're married. attracted to. Yes, that's right. I'm married and I no longer bartend because I've moved to do other things in the bartending world. Um, but no, not all bartenders are looking Pause. to go home. They, we don't need a savior, which is another thing that I had gotten uh, many offers. A savior. Yes. Like a customer will come and they'll, they're going to take me away from work, having to work at a bar.
0: Okay. I loved my job. <laughs> hey, it's fun. I can, if it's a nice bar, I guess.
2: If it's a nice bar. If it's
0: McDonald's, I can't imagine it's the best place to
2: And work. there's a high turnover in a bar. If I don't mm-hmm. like working there, I'll go work at another bar. Yeah. Um, so the other stereotype that I want to talk about is that we have to put up with a customer's abuse. Mm. And what I mean by that is not just throwing things at us, which plenty of customers have done in they my throw time. throw things at you. Throw things. I've had uh, customers like grab bottles and try to throw them at me. I've had them throw glasses at me and beer bottles at me. But why? Because they're drunk. Ah, okay. Usually, just for this reason. Usually because they're ah. drunk. Um, so, no, I don't have to put up with your attitude either. So not just do I not have to put up with your beer bottle throwing, but your attitude, I don't have to put up with that. And so be nice to us or you can get your butt kicked out um, for talking to us in a certain way. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that we're dishonest and that we're here to steal or money or trick the customer out of some money. I'm making my own. I have no interest in yours. The only interest I have is giving you good service so I can earn my tip. Mm. Um, I don't need to steal that from you. And this goes along with this idea that that bartenders are trying to pad your bill or add fake things to your bill so that it- To make you pay more. Mm. Right, to make you pay more. Because you're
0: drunk, they think you're taking advantage. Yes,
2: and this is an argument I've had many times that a customer will be drunk, has drank everything on the list, and they claim that they didn't drink everything that I am charging Mm. them for
0: okay good okay so if you think you're being overcharged you probably not you
2: probably have drank too much
0: (laughs) probably drank too much yeah okay see you next week then
2: all right see you
0: bye have some more wine will do now what word am i spelling g-r-o-u-p-i-n-g if you like spelling tests, go and check out my TikTok at Chris Hagen Official. I'm the only guy, the only one guy, not naked on TikTok, swinging around my crown jewels. Now, back to the word I spelt. G-R-O-U-P-I-N-G. G-R-O-U-P-I-N-G. How do you pronounce this word? This week, one student said groping. <laughs> it's a little different. Well, it's a big difference between a grouping of teachers and a groping of teachers so you guessed it I was spelling grouping if I just said it in the first example now be careful of the pronunciation grouping not that long obviously grouping not groping but what does groping mean to grope means to fondle somebody for sexual pleasure roughly or clumsily, or without the person's consent, or when you're fumbling around in the dark to find something which is basically more or less the same thing. So, really, you're not groping... The- it's not a groping of teachers, it's a grouping of teachers. When all teachers are together having a meeting, it's a grouping of teachers, not a groping of teachers. That is totally different. Either way, you don't want to be groping when you should be grouping. Now, who's next?
1: Jonathan. Jonathan. Dr. About food around the world. It's not flat.
0: Jonathan.
1: Jonathan, Canadian, their best export after best Justin Bieber.
0: Jonathan is here again. We can't get rid of him. He's always here. Indeed, he but we're happy to have him here. So, Jonathan, our food guru, our fugu, okay, Please food guru, never say that again. our fake guru. You <laughs> <laughs> can decide. From Canada, from Canada. I can't do a Canadian accent. Canada. 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 It's more British, but with a bit of an American twang. I think it's the clearest accent of English in the world. Uh, Some people actually think sometimes my father is from Canada, and he's got the worst Belfast accent ever. I don't know why. Hmm. Uh, Maybe it's similar. So what are you going to talk about today, then? Tell me. from the
3: Anglosphere, something neither of us know anything about. We have a colleague. He's a veterinarian. He's Italian, of course. And he loves loves cheese, mm. and he also studied in Canada, and the topic came up naturally as it does. In Canada, we have two types of cheese, yellow and white. Okay. Absolutely wonderful.
0: Uh-huh. Like in England.
3: When yellow. I was young, in the early 90s, they put them together. Now we have marble cheese. Marble cheese. Marble cheese. Like, cheese. like a marble cake, but yes, cheese. exactly. Really? So it's yellow and it's white, and they're together. That sounds wonderful. I want to try it. I would just slice it off and eat it. I've never seen it Every day I got a marble cheese, never. Uh No, it exists, it's real. Now, of course, the French part of Canada actually literally has some of the best cheeses in the world, according to the World Cheese Organization that... Run by France, probably. Yeah, Yeah. but it gives awards to Hmm. some cheeses. But again, that's not the Canada I know and love. I adore cheese. Absolutely, in fact, Parmigiano Reggiano is my favorite cheese. However, loving strong flavors the way that I do, a 14 month old parm is not enough. So, add a little bit of hot sauce and you're good to go. Have you ever tried this, Chris? No. Cheese with hot sauce. Cheese with hot sauce. Absolutely mm. delightful. So I like all... T- George was giving me a look. I like all, all sorts of cheese. I like the soft cheese. I like the hard cheese. I don't like the moldy cheeses. No, moldy cheese shouldn't exist. Okay, good. Yeah. Good, good. Blue good, good, cheese good. should go forever. It's moldy. It's yeah. Blue. It's too much. It's, it's much. In fact, it's stinking up my refrigerator right now, and I hate every second of it. However, yeah, Parmesan. So change-, change wise.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no i would <laughs> she's no, listening it, it, it. um i love you and i a wonderful it. person but <laughs> um, either it's either the, the wife or the cheese do you have a favorite cheese lancashire lancashire what mm, the heck is that it's white and crumbly so it's like it it comes in a block. cheddar it's not i don't think it's that old i think it's quite not old mature cheddar extra mm. mature cheddar mm. i like but sometimes it's a little bit gritty the gritty really? the yeah gritty. you found little lumps in it and that i don't like mm. no but lancashire cheese is very is, is white mm-hmm. it's it's soft but not soft like creamy mm-hmm. and you can break it off easy and eat it it's a bit like um it's similar it's not everyone will go no 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 it's like a rollo in italian i don't know no it's similar it's uh it's nice, it, nice. and on cheese on toast is very good because it doesn't melt perfectly mm. cheddar melts too much Have you ever tried any of these ashy cheeses?
3: So there are, it's a soft cheese, but Mm -hmm. they roll it in ash, like Ah. cinders. Cigarette ash. And then it's aged. I hope not cigarette ash. Although, I mean, again, it's from France, so someone's probably smoking Uh. it in the bats. But no, this one in Quebec is called Cendrillon, literally Cinderella. Ah, uh-huh. Um because of the ash the cinder. And it did, ah, okay. it did win this prize of best cheese in the world at some point in the last decade okay. or so. And it is absolutely wonderful. So it's rolled so the, the outside is covered in ash. Yeah, so it's a it's a instead of having wax. It's for almost example. a hexagonal prism, mm-hmm. a long thing, and then they cover it in ash and then put it in a box okay. and it's good to go. But you eat the ash. Yeah, it's it's as if it were a regular so it's, crust it's of a like cheese. a
0: smoked cheese but they've left the well, ash it's not there. it's not smoked it's I just know. it's
3: just rolled in the ash mm. to be honest with you like i've said i haven't done any research whatsoever so i'm just describing Never, it. i guess <laughs> i just i'm
0: just <laughs> describing what i've enjoyed no i want your personal experience we're not interested in facts Good. and figures, facts and figures. <laughs> no, you thank keep throwing you. all these dates around <laughs> as if you know what you're talking about bless you but <laughs> well, in canada you only have two types of cheese then Yellow yeah, the and yellow white. And the, the yellow and the white, yeah. But you have different types of yellow and different types so of white. So, in
3: fact, yellow is cheddar and oh, white okay. is mozzarella um oh. but the the moisture content is is around 20 percent, whereas i believe in italy it's 110 percent because mm. they come floating in bags of water which yeah. was a real novelty like this is what mozzarella is like it's so wet and slippery mm. i'm used to it just sitting there not sliding away from me yeah not moving <laughs> i don't need anything that moves no in
0: fact um something else remember mozzarella is cheese wikipedia says it's cheese it is cheese. I don't care what any Italian says who's screaming around us now. Mozzarella <laughs> is beeping cheese. I concur. Wikipedia says it is an Italian cheese. Go and check immediately on Wikipedia. It is cheese. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> just to confirm that. You agree? <laughs> you said you agree? I agree 100%. Okay. All right. So I've just monop- monopolized your last minutes. But bye, Jonathan. Thumb See thumb. you next week. I'm hungry. I want some cheese now.
1: And now we're hungry.
0: Now let's have a look at some British slang words that you must use, because we all do. And if you learn these also, as well as your nice fancy schmancy words that you need for your Cambridge proficiency test, you will actually understand us when we speak. Slang is important. Now writing an essay on the life cycle of a hamster never got anyone a cheese and onion butty in a butty bar, now did it? So, let's have a look. The first one. To Nick. This means to steal something. Who's nicked my rubber? Is a sentence I say daily. Now remember, rubber in British English is not a condom. That would be a totally different job if I needed them daily. The second word, hunky-dory. Now this is really cute. Hunky-dory. How British does it sound? Everything's hunky-dory. Everything's fine. Sounds so British. Dodgy is our third British slang word of today. Dodgy. I wouldn't trust him. He looks dodgy. He gave me a dodgy CD player for sure dodgy means questionable it can be a person or an object so my friend in inverted commas just for this example who i don't trust gave me a cd player that he probably nicked (laughs) using the first word in our british language today nicked again so what was the example he looks dodgy he gave me a dodgy cd player for sure he looks like i don't trust him and i'm sure that cd player was nicked it was stolen now the next one is dim d-i-m this is not a compliment. He's dim. This means he's not very smart. And the last one is do. D-O. A okay. do. Okay. A do. I don't know you know the song. If you have a look on Spotify after listening to our podcast, go and have a look for Agadoo. It's a fantastic song. Everybody should know it. So, A do. I'm going to a do tonight. A Mexican do. A do is a party or an event of some kind. Now one word which is not British slang, let me get that loud and clear out there, it's not British slang, is Fortnite. I actually came across a website saying it was British slang because some people out there don't use it. It's not slang, it's not slang, it's not slang, did I say it's not slang? Now for those of you who are students who don't actually know what Fortnite means, don't worry, don't panic, I'm not talking about you. Fortnight means 2 weeks. It's like 14 nights, okay? Quite easy to understand. But there are some English-speaking countries out there who don't use the word fortnight. And when I used it once, they looked at me like I was speaking in a totally different language. So remember, fortnight is not slang. So you've got five British slang words there and one which some people think is slang, but it's not. She's
1: from Australia.
0: Koala. Or is
1: it maybe South Africa? She doesn't know either to go, one thing's for sure. She makes business English sexy, like a
0: kangaroo.
1: It's Kelly Lawrence.
0: Kelly's back, and today she's going to talk about the cultural differences that exist between the English workplace and other countries, I think.
4: Yeah, that's <laughs> it, exactly. Did I talk remember correctly? Yeah, know, Memory's I mean-
0: not that good, I'm getting old, nearly 40. <laughs>
4: yes and we can talk about this one together chris because obviously oh, um we can see the difference in the way that we work compared to in italy where we're actually living no
0: the difference is we work
4: <laughs> that's not true actually and in fact it's not true it's not true that of... we work wow this is a bit
0: what are we doing now Having a party is...
4: no but to you're eating honest... my ferrero
0: rocher and drinking my drinks <laughs>
4: Look, the difference, I think, here, and it's exactly like our situation. It's a Saturday here and we're recording, um, but it's the weekend. It's something that we're doing as as, uh, colleagues, for Mm. a laugh, for fun together, because Mm. we see each other as friends. When I started working for Chris, I thought, okay, these are the new people that I'm going to be spending my time with on Saturdays, on Sundays, after work hours. And this is not, uh, I think, something that's common in other countries. Often you have your, your colleagues who you work with, you finish work and you don't see them. You and don't. Who spend are they?
0: Them. You don't remember them until Monday <laughs> morning.
4: Exactly, yeah. and I think this is a big difference. Uh, we spend a lot of time with our colleagues. We once we start a new job, we know that this is the the atmosphere, the environment where we're going to be spending a lot of our free time. It's Like
0: a new family, an yeah, extra family. It's a
4: family at the end of the day, it's true. Uh, and this is something very widespread, you'll find it in lots of different industries, lots of different workplaces. So, if you're starting a new job in an English workplace, for example, anywhere, whether it's Australia, America, um, England. England,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> you forgot England. Well, okay, it's
4: Don't be surprised if they ask you to hang out with them all the time. If you finish work and they say hey let's go get let's go get dinner let's go do this what are you it's doing it's not always weekend? a date in fact yeah exactly it's yeah, not a date people think they're, they're not always creepy. going on a date
0: and they want your babies
4: no. <laughs> exactly don't go straight to the hr department <laughs> for this one okay. sexual harassment they want to buy me dinner <laughs> exactly so this is the first one the other one i want to talk about was actually to do with this do we really work more how do we work more mm. okay now In Italy, it's very, very common for people to compete against each other for who stays back for the longest amount of hours, who works until 8 Mm. p.m. Overtime is a big deal, and it's something that if you don't do, you're not really seen as uh, very effective or very dedicated to your job. Instead, uh, in an English workplace, it's very common for people to hit the the road as soon as they finish work, uh, and that'll be whatever time they're meant to be there, Uh, as soon as that time is finished as soon as they're not getting paid for those hours they leave and this is just a cultural thing it's seen as a little bit unethical a bit rude to stay back after hours but i think the difference here is that you're supposed you're seen as having to do all your work within your hours and if you can't it shows that you're not very efficient Mm, not
0: organized in many latin countries they're not very organized
4: yeah, and I mean, I don't know, it's this difference again uh, in culture. Mm. If you stay back after work, people wonder, but why didn't you do that before? Are you very slow? How come you haven't finished all your work in your hours? So it's seen as a bad thing if you're staying back. You should be doing all your work in a short amount of time and finishing as soon as the clock uh, finishes. Maybe staying back 30 minutes or so, but not not so long, not many hours uh, and going going forward, another one is that we're very direct and to the point. This is something that we have a reputation for. Um, people oh. think
0: we're angry all the time, yeah, just exactly. because of being direct.
4: That's it. They
0: don't understand when I'm joking or not. Um. Normally I'm not, but...
4: Exactly. So look, this is similar to the German uh, kind of reputation of being very direct and to the point, but we really like this. We really like if you can tell us the situation, tell us the problem in a very short amount of time. Don't add extra things to it. Don't go round in circles. You don't need
0: to set the scene. Exactly, don't have it to It was set a the windy scene. day.
4: <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly, especially with emails. We don't want to receive a chapter uh, instead, of, instead of something that can be put in a list. Okay, mm. we really love lists. Put it in a list. Be very direct. Be very straight, straightforward. Use some formal English, some polite English, uh, like we've talked about in previous uh, areas. But uh, yeah, don't set the scene.
0: drag it out too long like a story like harry potter in fact (laughs) people think that english-speaking people are being aggressive when we're being direct they think we're being aggressive but we're not we're just very direct people we say exactly what we think but we're not angry we're just saying what we think
4: exactly that's Mm -hmm. it and it's it's i'm scaring kelly
0: into agreeing here because she's like yes chris (laughs) you're never aggressive you're just very direct
4: don't hurt me. <laughs> no, drink your like...
0: drink and be quiet. It's fine. <laughs> well, you got four seconds left. Anything you'd like to say?
4: Nothing in four seconds, Chris. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone.
1: Now we love business,
0: English, short, thanks, huh? Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Now, it was very nice the other day because one of my students said to me, Ah, I recognise Kelly's voice because she actually did a lesson with Kelly as well. Now, talking of (laughs) moustaches, well, we we weren't talking about moustaches, but we are now no connection to Kelly. Kelly does not have a moustache. Anyway, talking of moustaches, because now we actually are talking about moustaches, not connected to Kelly, how do you spell it? Well, there are two ways. The British way and obviously the American one. But which is which? Now, I hated spelling at school, but I seem to love it these days. God knows what happened to me. Getting old. Now, M-O-U-S-T-A-C-H-E, so M-O-U-S-T-A-C-H-E, is British. And M-U-S-T-A-C-H-E is American. Now, for once, they kept the U in the American version, but still couldn't resist getting rid of a vowel. So, off the O goes. Now, speaking of Americans, here is Laura, who I confirm also doesn't have a moustache. Hi, Laura
1: and how are you by you. really your She's a home couldn't find a fly. Laura likes to listen to the radio, but when it comes to music, she prefers in live. Laura, give 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 Laura, give
5: Laura, give Laura, give Laura, give Laura, Laura, give 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 Laura, I've been traveling around South Louisiana this week, and it has been very hectic.
0: I forgive you. Just don't do it again, as we say in England. No, I'm joking. Don't worry. I forgive you. I really appreciate it. I'm not usually the forgiving type, but for you, go on then. So what we are going to talk about today?
5: Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans?
0: Nope. Sadly, I've never been there. Well, it's a song. (laughs) Ah, it was a trick question. Mm. It was
5: written in 1947 Uh by Eddie DeLange and Louis Alter. And it's been recorded at least 42 times in every kind of genre. That's a lot of times. The most famous version is probably by Louis Armstrong. It's a great description of how you feel about New Orleans. I mean, it's a love song, but it, it mm. really perfectly sort of summarizes how you feel about New Orleans once you get to know it.
0: Ah, Louis Armstrong, I know who he is. Him I know. I've heard of him before. When I think of New Orleans, or now, unfortunately, I think of Katharina first, not the
5: person, the hurricane, jazz, blues, and jamming. Sure, right. New Orleanians are an expressive and passionate people. There's so much music there. Many musicians, and because the weather's pretty nice when they aren't having a hurricane, there are music festivals throughout the year.
0: Do you know, it was the only, only the other day, a couple of days ago, I was speaking to Mimi about hurricanes because I've never experienced one.
5: New Orleanians like to play hard. They have a joie de vivre that comes from the knowledge that life is fragile mm. and material things are impermanent. Uh-huh. One day you're going along with your life, and the next a hurricane might come and destroy everything. Washes it all away. It makes for some fun parties, though. This attitude. Hmm. they literally have hurricane parties really they have a very good (laughs) sense of humor yeah you need it i think once i was in a second line parade what's that never heard of it second lines are the best Hmm. they are so much fun the second line tradition was brought to new orleans from west africa when the slaves continued their cultural customs once they got here so the first line is the main section of the parade with the brass band who carries the parade permit and it's all official the second line is the people who follow the band and dance and sing and enjoy each other and everyone moves in kind of a freeform style carrying parasols and waving handkerchiefs i'm sure you've seen second line parades in movies
0: yeah i'd seen them but i never knew actually what that it was organized just like there were some drunkards who wanted to join in But you even have a permit.
5: Ooh. New Orleans, of course, is known for Mardi Gras. Uh-huh. But there's also a huge jazz festival every spring. The New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival is held over two weekends in the spring every year. Sadly, because of the pandemic, it's cost us jazz fest for the last two years. But it's been rescheduled for October of this year, which will be awesome.
0: Uh, here, we've had no music scene at all recently for the past right. two year, two years. How long has it been? Too long now. But even the stuff online is few and far between. But anyway, get
5: back to what you were saying. New Orleans is jazz. Dave Brubeck described jazz as being born in New Orleans in 1880 and as an improvised musical expression based on European harmony and African rhythms. The Louisiana State Museum defines New Orleans jazz as a performance art based on the musical elements of syncopation, improvisation, blues scale, call and response, rhythm, tone, color, harmony, and interpretation. A lot then. Influences range from Creole to African to Sicilian. Sicilian even? Well. From its earliest days, jazz was considered subversive because it encouraged racial boundary crossing. Jazz was passionate and colorblind in a time when neither of those things was accepted across the board in this country. The African influence on New Orleans music traces its roots at least back to Congo Square in New Orleans around 1835. So long Slaves would congregate there to play music and dance on Sundays. Oh. People began using the term jazz around 1900, give or take 10 years, depending on who you ask.
0: We've got you to tell us all about it. Go on.
5: Because New Orleans music started to become popular in other parts of the country, they needed a way to distinguish their style of music from the ragtime style that was so popular at the time. The actual term jazz was first spelled jazz, J-A-S-S, oh, really? and had a sexual connotation. Oh. Early performers played in bordellos and kind of rough bars. Uh. A red light neighborhood called Storyville is very well known in jazz history for introducing out of town visitors if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. to the new style. <laughs> mm. Musicians frequently had to purchase their instruments secondhand at pawn shops. Um, and there were a lot of used military band instruments originally used in jazz. I had no idea. But well, playing in the red light district is...
0: Mm, exactly. Well, you said introducing new or nude visitors. <laughs> Only joking. It must have been hard.
5: <laughs> Pardon the pun. I couldn't resist. Well, these are the types of struggles that bring out creativity in people, right? yeah for sure traditionally a new orleans jazz band consists of a front line and a rhythm section so the front line is usually trumpet or cornet Mm -hmm. clarinet and a saxophone a trombone Trombone. it's a horn section Mm -hmm. the rhythm section consists of the drums and a bass um, and then some sort of stringed instrument like a guitar or a banjo or maybe a piano if you don't know a lot about new orleans jazz I would recommend you starting with the Preservation Hall Jazz Band. Preservation Hall came out of a labor of love for jazz music in the 1950s.
0: Now, check them out.
5: An art gallery owner who couldn't get to concerts because of his work schedule invited musicians to come and rehearse in his space. Uh And that's kind of where it all started. That grew into a nonprofit organization who had a larger space of their own. This group offered a rare and controversial opportunity for racially integrated bands and audiences to share music together. That was a big deal in the 1950s. Now, Preservation Hall is a world-famous venue in Jackson Square in the middle of the French Quarter. The Preservation Hall Jazz Band plays shows every day, I think, now in the quarter. Um, I think they're back from from the quarantine. and But they've traveled around the world over the years. Yeah. They've performed in Japan and Thailand. Everywhere. Played with the Grateful Dead at the Fillmore
0: West. Uh-huh impressive hopefully after all these travel restrictions are over i can come and visit you and you can take me do you know the amount of places
5: i need to go with you i'm gonna be broke if you're really curious about the music you can check out tulane university in new orleans they host the hogan archive of new orleans music and new orleans jazz and i would say it's probably the largest collection of information on new orleans jazz It boasts over 2,000 reels of taped oral history interviews with musicians, family members, and observers of jazz life. They have writings of the pioneering New Orleans artists on local venues and the musicians' union, thousands of photographs of musicians and bands and parades and orchestras and venues and events. They have a digitized collection of sheet music that spans 100 years. Wow, that's a lot. And then they have over 40,000 recordings of all types, vinyl, uh, cassette tape, CDs, reel-to-reel, cylinders. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It
0: sounds very impressive.
5: I know. I really want to visit there sometime, but my schedule didn't allow it this week. I could get lost in all those cool interviews. But hopefully you'll get time to go back again. It's just around the corner. Of course. I can't wait. If our listeners want to learn more about the fascinating history of New Orleans and jazz, head over to the Google the artists you're going to find there range from Louis Armstrong to Jelly Roll Morton to Buddy Bolden and Scott Joplin. The music and history is fascinating. There's such great stories. Go check it out. And while you're doing so, I've created another Spotify playlist. Mm-hmm. It's called The Spirit of New Orleans. Enjoy!
0: Thank you very much, Laura. And remember to check out her playlist, The Spirits of New New Orleans. I can't say it. New Orleans in English. New Orleans. New Orleans. You have to teach me how to say it correctly. Thank you very much and see you next week. Now we know something more about music. Thank
1: you, Laura.
0: I'm not a spring chicken anymore. What does this mean? I said it the other day in a different language and got some strange responses, as this expression obviously wasn't understood by my colleagues studying in front of me. If you say you aren't a spring chicken anymore, it means you are old like me, 40. Obviously, people who are older than me, I'm sure you look better than me and look younger than me, so it's not offensive. Spring is quite nice, no? Spring when all the animals are born. In fact, I'm not a spring chicken anymore means I'm not a chicken that's just been born, which is actually a chick. It's not really a chicken... But anyway, we're not getting into the details here. Maybe in the next podcast we can look at some more expressions to mean old, if I remember that is, because, do you know something? I'm not a spring chicken anymore.
1: No, Doesn't matter where you are, in the car or at the bar, here for you comes in your ears, another word for thanks is cheers. Here's the new kid from the block, here for you around the clock, sharing all his English tips, Chris.
0: He's an anagram of risk.
1: Chris.